by a very special guest, my husband, Nick. Hi. <laughs> Today we are going to talk about ADHD, and I'm hoping that he can give his perspective. I did an episode a little while back on what I have personally learned about ADHD, but I thought it would be really great to hear his perspective and just how we've gone some through some of the process um, since we've been married. So to start off, I wanted to talk about like the very beginning when you were a kid and going through being diagnosed and maybe recognizing that you thought differently than people around you. So did you know that you had ADHD or did you suspect that you did? Uh, not for a long time. I remember my teachers at school would always, they send home little notes for every student, like little, they were kind of report cards, but like when you're that early in school, it's mostly just little things that they notice. Anyway, I, mine was always like, my little daydreamer so apparently I daydreamed a ton in like my early school mm -hmm. and that's something my mom would tell me so that's probably like the earliest example that I know of of somebody like observing that I wasn't exactly like or that I that I wasn't entirely like the other kids you know like a lot of the other kids were really engaged and I was kind of checked out I wasn't diagnosed for a long time probably until I was like 10 or 11 years old somewhere around there and uh yeah they diagnosed me <laughs> initially i think i was diagnosed with asperger's which is obviously not adhd that's that's kind of a little bit more on the spectrum and so i didn't really know what that meant at the time i was just like an awkward kid so i i assumed i was like oh that explains why i'm like awkward <laughs> i just kind of accepted it but uh yeah, later it kind of became clear that most, most of my symptoms were ADHD related. And then I got the proper diagnosis uh, from like two other doctors that I, it was actually ADHD. So how long was it between being diagnosed with supposed Asperger's versus ADHD? Probably like, I don't know, not terribly long, like a year or two maybe. And was it your parents who initiated going to find a second opinion or uh, not or finding you, a second or... opinion they 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 definitely took me to the doctor the first time just because they're like he's struggling you know maybe we can find him some medicine that sort of thing um yeah and that's when i got diagnosed but then they, I, they still ended up giving me um a couple different medicines i believe the one that they started with was ritalin which was the worst i felt like a zombie the whole time but yeah, anyway, going back, it's just like, it was about a year, I think a year after that diagnosis that I got a second opinion. And I, I'm not sure if it was my parents who initiated it or, or what. I just, I just recall getting that second opinion and then finally getting the ADHD diagnosis, which was a far more fitting diagnosis for me. How did you feel when you were diagnosed with ADHD? Uh... You know, I figured things would get better at that point. And I, I suppose in some ways they did because I started on my, like, journey of finding medicine, right, to kind of help with it. 
but it didn't necessarily help me like cope and i didn't necessarily i didn't really feel more understood than i was before the diagnosis like you know i was still called lazy and i i still would you know a lot of the things that kind of come with like having adhd like uh, executive function issues like not being able to do things even when you're trying to push yourself to do them you know lack of motivation um, losing track of stuff like a lot of that was still very much being put on me like squarely on me instead of instead of like being looked at as a symptom of ADHD and it's like not to use ADHD as like a scapegoat but you know at like understanding that that's where a lot of it was coming from would have probably helped us to find better solutions and we never really found those not until like a lot later you know and then like by a lot later like i'm out of my parents house i'm married (laughs) i have kids and that's when we started finding them so it was like many it was quite a few years later that i we actually found some like healthy ways to start coping with adhd yeah, in fact, I think a lot of those skills you learned just in the last year, right? Yeah, last year, two years, somewhere around there. It started, like, so first time I, like, really felt understood. There was, like, the the YouTube channel How to ADHD, and it was just kind of, like, this video that was intended to be shared to, like, help people who didn't understand ADHD to understand ADHD. And, like, she wasn't what I would consider a professional at the time, although she, she, I mean, she's pretty dang close now. Yeah. She's had a lot more experience. A lot more experience. Yeah. But like she was, she was pretty familiar with like symptoms and all of that stuff. And she just put together this like informative video about ADHD. And, um, anyway, so I watched that video and just like burst into tears because it was the first time that I had heard everything that I struggled with in my life. Like, just spat right in my face (laughs) i mean like maybe that's a negative way of saying it but like because it was a really positive experience like feeling like wow somebody just like i somebody besides myself just understood me yeah someone that you don't even know someone i don't even know on this like just making a video right it's just like that was the first time that i felt like somebody understood me and also the first time i had heard so much of my struggles articulated Mm -hmm. so like that kind of started a rabbit hole of going down like oh hey what what do i actually struggle with you know maybe i can start finding ways to like you know, cope with it better or better strategies for managing a lot of like what I struggle with, like, you know, focusing, like there's a lot of things you can do for focus, but maybe the things that most people do for focus aren't really going to work for me. I need to try different strategies. And I was able to start learning some of those strategies, like specific strategies for myself. I was actually just talking to my sister about that because I was saying, you know, for us who have the neurotypical brains, sometimes we'll look at something that somebody who's not neurodivergent, such as ADHD or the other other neurodivergencies, and we'll think, how can you possibly think that way or not see something, you know, but it it's just simply the fact that your brain works differently. But unfortunately, I think a lot of people with ADHD are just forced to be quote unquote normal. 
rather than being the, given the support that they need. And I don't feel like there's nearly enough emphasis on trying to understand and support you guys. Yeah. I, I think it's like, yeah, we can like kind of like we learn how to be normal, right? It's like because it's it is kind of forced on us. So learning how to be normal is like, I guess a big part of life for, you know, um, overall is like interacting with people normally, like, there's some things you do have to learn. But then there's other things like, I mean, sometimes being normal isn't being yourself and not being yourself is exhausting. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I feel like you kind of set yourself up for failure by not just letting yourself be who you are like letting yourself live the way that your brain wants you to live at least you know being in that space for a little bit and not judging yourself for it Mm -hmm. is like gives you a lot more it's it's a much more restful way of living versus you know feeling like you have to be matching everyone else uh, you know all hours of the day it's just really exhausting yeah trying to put yourself in a mold that you really don't fit in yeah exactly so that's that's definitely like the hardest part anytime that i've been given accommodations like whether it's at school or work you know it's always been really helpful um just because like either i get a little bit of extra time to do something or you know the way that i do something isn't dictated as hard because i find my i think Personally, I'm a very creative individual. Yeah, and very. it's when somebody wants to dictate the way that I do something, I'm not able to kind of let loose with that creativity. I have to scale it back. And usually a task ends up taking a lot longer and usually ends up not coming out as well if I'm not able to do what I do best, which is being creative in a situation like that. And that, that sometimes, I mean, that has happened a lot in my lifetime. Uh, just like being required to do something one specific way, you know, sometimes I'll come across somebody who's a more my way or the highway type person. And so I'll, I struggle with situations like that. I make it through. And of course, school was always very difficult for me because a lot of teachers were very specific with the way that they wanted you to do something mm-hmm. versus me who, you know, I, I often run into walls. And so I feel like, okay, well, I'll approach this problem from another direction. And they're like, no, you keep banging your head into that wall until the wall breaks down. Right. Yeah. And it's like, okay, well that, that's, that's not helpful. And it's also exhausting. And it's just, it's really frustrating. And that, that was the majority of my school experience. Well, and I feel like experiences like that don't really foster a love of learning. I mean, that's part of why we have kept our daughter home to do homeschool is because we didn't think that she would thrive in that kind of environment of sitting down at your desk, listening to your teacher, doing the worksheets, you know, just like a very structured environment, which is great for some kids, but it's not like a one size fits all situation. Yeah. I I really sincerely hope that like school curriculums start to adapt to different types of kids right Mm -hmm. it's like they have special programs like for people who are on the spectrum you know autism asperger's that sort of thing 
but ADHD kids rarely make the cut for these special classes because they're somewhere in the middle. Like a lot of them are, a lot of ADHD kids are very social. They don't show a lot of outward signs of not being normal. Mm -hmm. And so therefore they get put in with all of these other kids, right? And end up not getting the education that they actually need because, you know, some unqualified person is looking at them and saying they're normal and then putting them somewhere else. So with a proper diagnosis, I would hope that in the future, a lot of these education systems start to treat a lot of these kids with the respect and also re just recognition that they deserve so that they can start to love learning like so many of these other kids. I mean, me, learning is one of my favorite things in the world. Mm -hmm. You're constantly learning new things. Yeah, and I, I would say most of my skills are self-taught. Mm-hmm because I didn't learn them at school. I learned most of what I know at home and like I taught myself a lot of things. There was a couple moments and a couple particular teachers that I felt taught me a lot, right? Because they met me where I was and mm -hmm. they helped me, right? But I was not afforded that all the time. So most of what I learned and most of what I now know is all self-taught because I went and found resources that actually worked for me. And now I feel like I have a love of learning, you know, and now I'm always trying to like find new things. I love like trivia and just random like fun facts and things like that. But yeah, I didn't really have that for a long time because I would go into school and they would be treat, you know, essentially treating me like an audience and just kind of talking at me and I wasn't really receiving any of it. And so I would just check out and, you know, that, it just became a place I sat for six hours a day. It wasn't, it wasn't really a place where I was learning much, you know. Um, I, it was better in elementary school, but yeah, middle school, high school, I I didn't ever really learn much at school at that at those points. What would you say has been like your biggest challenge in having ADHD? Uh, motivation. And just beating myself up over everything. It was, that wasn't the case all the time. But there was definitely a lot of times where I felt very useless. And I still feel useless a lot. <laughs> um, and I get to rely on my wonderful wife here to kind of, you know, bring me back and tell me that I, I am, uh, you know, that I am worth it. But yeah, that's, that's really rough, you know, feeling like I'm lazy, feeling like I don't have anything to contribute, um, forgetting things, losing things, you know, I'm basically all the things that come with ADHD, but with a bit of a multiplier on them, because I've been dealing with it with for so many years now, that I'm just so annoyed with myself over it. Like, well, and I feel like a lot of that negative self-talk has just been fed to you by the people who were telling you that you weren't good enough, that you were lazy. And so now that's your inner voice that you're trying to overcome. Yeah. And so those type of people are no longer around in my life. But yeah, your my inner voice has been shaped in such a way that I'm now detracting myself on a regular basis. And beating myself up and tr I'm treating myself exactly the way that others treated me growing up. And I, I, you know, I, I grew up in a great home. Like 
my parents were wonderful. So most of this was external, like, you know, places like school that I experienced a lot of this kind of intolerance for me as a person and intolerance for how I looked at the world and how I thought and the way that you did things, the way that I did things, you know, I wasn't allowed to do things the way that I did things. Um, and that, yeah, that put me in a tough spot a lot of the time. Now, I don't have any of those enemies in my life anymore, aside from myself. I'm my own enemy. <laughs> Which is unfortunately the worst kind of enemy, because you're living with yourself all the time. Yeah, so that's definitely my biggest struggle, and I, I, I mean, I'll probably struggle with that for a long time, but, you know, I need to just be better at, like I was saying, I need to take my own advice, I need to be less judgmental towards myself and my symptoms, and um, just be more forgiving, you know, cause I, I offer, like I, I offer more forgiveness to everyone else in my life than I do to myself. And that's, that's a problem. So yeah, you have one of the kindest hearts of anyone I know, except for towards yourself. Yeah. Maybe that's the artist in me. I just, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, yeah, a lot of artists are critical of their own work. Yeah, I feel very much like that, but just not, not just for art, for just everything. Yeah, general life. Yeah. But on the flip side of having ADHD, I mean, a lot of the people that I have known with ADHD or even on Instagram, I see a lot of creators coming out and finding out that they have ADHD and they get diagnosed later in adult life. And being creative is one of the best qualities of a lot of the people I know with ADHD. But what do you feel like are some of the other, I guess I'd say, benefits of having ADHD or things that you do appreciate about the way that you are? Um, the ability to not take things too seriously. Like, I don't, <laughs> I joke a lot. I laugh a lot. You know, I don't take things seriously, maybe to a fault, but I don't. So yeah, I spend, I spend a good, good amount of time just trying to find things to make myself laugh and other people laugh and all of this other stuff. And you know, I like, I, I remember being at like several of my grandparents, well, particularly my grandmother's funeral and I have a family, my, my mother's side of the family has a lot of people diagnosed with ADHD and we were having the best time at this funeral. <laughs> and we just like, you know, we were able to put our feelings aside and instead focus on something that makes us happy. And that I think is, is really, really good. You know, I, I can often perform really well in high intensity situations as well. Like mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I don't freak out when somebody's injured or if if somebody's going through like a really hard time or if there's a crisis at some point like I you know usually am able to think clearly in those moments particularly moments of like things like potential danger and other things like that like I snap into this mode where I'm just I act very well in those situations and um yeah the last one is probably just hyper focusing that you know like ADHD isn't a light switch so much as it is. Well, it's not so much a dial as much as it is a light switch, right? So it's like 
you know, most people like, oh, I'm going to dedicate this much focus to this thing and this much focus to this thing. For me, it's like on or off, like I'm focusing or I'm not focusing. So I'm either completely off and I can't focus on something at all, or I'm so dialed in that I lose hours in what feels like minutes doing something that, you know, usually something I'm passionate about, but I can hyper-focus on a lot of things, you know? Mm-hmm. Also, sometimes to your detriment, forgetting to eat or use yeah, the bathroom. Yeah, no, if I'm hyper-focusing, I do forget to eat, forget to use the bathroom, forget a lot of things. And that sometimes has made people frustrated with me as well. So it's <laughs> it's a balance. But I, that was something that I was going to say too, is that hyper-focusing is kind of a real skill. You know, because when you do have to get into something and you are able to get into it and and start going, like, you can go forever. Yeah. And I think that it's been a real benefit in some of the things that you love. Yeah. You know, and your your hobbies, especially with uh, game development. Yeah. Well, I mean, game development's my job now. And there are times where, there are definitely times where it's hard. Like, I'll struggle to dial in, you know, one week. Just really, like, I'll try my best. And I'll get some things done, but it won't be anything, like, amazing. But then there will be that one week or one day where I'll just, like, really hit that momentum. And get, like, three weeks of work done in, like, two days. Yeah. And (laughs) it's like... You know, I'm just going just super quickly. I'm, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm dodging every obstacle. I mean, it just. Like really in your groove. Yeah, I hit a stride that's just like incredible, right? So for some, you know, if you look at like a a typical work environment, that doesn't really cut it for them. They're like, well, why aren't you being as effective this week, right? They're like keeping tabs on you. I'm in a creative environment now where they just kind of let me do my thing and let me deliver. And so I have the time to actually like really just get myself into this state where I can go go really hard and do really well. And so that's, that's cool. You know, I, in previous jobs, things like customer service jobs, like, uh, you know, I was working at my dad's insurance office before I did what I'm doing now. And, uh, yeah, it was really, really hard to hit that, hit that stride because you were interrupted every 30 seconds, you know, with like a call, like hyper-focusing is just simply not a thing in those environments. Yeah. You have a lot of different customers pulling you all sorts of directions. Yeah. And multitasking is not an ADHD strength either. So, I mean, like it, it kind of depends, right? But, you know, like if you're hyper-focusing in, you're not really multitasking. Usually you have a single task to do that you just break down into parts and figure out. So it's nice bit. that you're in a creative job where you can, I mean, aside from the meetings that you have to attend, you're able to dedicate like your focus and your time into your work. Yeah, I'm not being crushed by my work. I've intentionally found a place where I'm allowed to do things my way and that's not yeah that's not meant to be like a don't boss me around sort of thing like I still have responsibilities I still need to deliver things to by a deadline, by a deadline all of this other stuff but you know they're they're not 
forcing me to do it one particular way. All they care is that I deliver what I need to deliver and, you know, solve problems that need solving. And the rest is up to me. And I, and that's where I thrive. So, yeah. I think it really helps too, because you've been blessed now to be in a place that is using your talents and your passion. So it makes it a little bit easier to, to work and really dive into it. You know, because I think there could be other jobs where you would have the space to hyper-focus where you're not being interrupted, but without it being something that you're passionate about, it's much harder to get into that. Yeah, no, that's true. It's like working in industries where I haven't been passionate really I mean they they drove me to insanity slowly I, I just like I would be terrified to go to work I would have just so much I would have anxiety just 24 7 I was like I was you know going to sleep anxious waking up anxious I was anxious at work because I always like you know I, I I'm would say I'm a very kind person I'm easy to talk to that sort of thing which is why people would feel like I'm a really good fit for the customer service environment mm -hmm. but I'm not that thick-skinned I I talk to customers that would tear me down and even try even like try tearing my family down and that's usually where I was like nope we're done with this and I would hang up the phone on them you know because I'm just like I never had to take personal attacks like that but um yeah there's like I, I'm just not like cut out for it and it gave me so much anxiety and it's just like it's not just that environment I've been in sales environments I've been in other just like working environments where I, I just it, it's not something that I feel like I'm mentally or emotionally equipped to do so early on I think my better positions were things like physical monotonous labor because you know like I I remember um for a a while a uh, friend friend of mine needed uh, a bunch of manzanita trees chopped up like uh for weddings and things like they had a manzanita farm they would cut all the manzanita branches because they're really popular at weddings i would spray paint them trim them all of that best one of the best early jobs that i had just because i could just lose myself in it and yeah so if any of any job where i can kind of lose myself in it and maybe like maybe I would have done good at like a factory job or something, you know, I feel like I, that's probably something that I could have done. And it's like a lot of people lament these type those types of jobs, but they're perfect for somebody like me who, you know, is really good at checking out mm -hmm. or checking in like really hard. So it's like, if I'm checked out, it's monotonous work. If I'm checked in, I'm really efficient at it. <laughs> so it's just, you know, that, that sort of job's like a lot better for, for somebody like, like me. And I would assume just for people in general with ADHD. Yeah. If they can't, if they can't be in a creative environment or somewhere where their interests lie anyway. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of thankless jobs, but you can get creative at almost any job, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, aside from like a couple notable ones like customer service like you you pretty much just follow process it at places like that like you might be able to get creative in how you de-escalate an angry customer but that sucks <laughs> you know it's like that's not fulfilling at all it's just like why do i have to talk to so many angry people 
So, you know, you, if you can get creative at optimizing your process or um, just attempting something a different way or just trying to do things the way that you've been doing it, but like faster or better, like those that that's like where kind of the creativity is. And I, I think, yeah, so being able to just engage with my creativity is what makes me happy for the most part. I've also noticed anytime that something becomes fun, like you've told me before that when you needed to get your room clean, your mom would make it into a game for you. So it was a little bit easier to do something that you didn't want to do. Yeah. My mom was great at that. It's like, just take, yeah, take something that is completely just the most boring thing ever, but like gamify it, add some sort of element reward, you know, whatever it was, or just like, yeah, turn it into a time trial. Like, Hey, can you get this done by this mat? Or can you put this, pick up this many things before this, the time limit runs out. And those sorts of, those sorts of things were really, really great for me. (laughs) It's just, yeah, she, she knew how to do it. She has ADHD too. She's not diagnosed, but she doesn't, that's because she hasn't tried to get diagnosed. (laughs) <laughs> she she doesn't i don't think she wants to think that she has it but i got it from somewhere so <laughs> it's very prominent on that side of the family <laughs> very prominent no way it skipped my mom <laughs> <laughs> anyway um but yeah no so making something into a game like gamifying something is really uh great and it's becoming a bigger thing with like the in, i mean that's one of the reasons why like things like video games were so compelling for me right is because i'm able to focus really well on gamified things and i've been seeing more and more apps and other things come out like productivity apps that Mm -hmm. utilize like gamifying and just like essentially trying to turn tasks that you normally avoid into a game and it's a thing that really works like Mm -hmm. if you can if you can apply it and commit to it like you know you can start you know, think, thinking about a lot of the things that you do differently, you know, like I, you know, I love video games. I love like leveling up XP, all of this other stuff, like all the nerdy video game mechanics. But like, if I can tie my nutrition to a lot of like these, those sorts of like arbitrary metrics and feel like I'm increasing those metrics with every single thing that I do, it creates a feedback loop that is just it's like drugs for me. It's just, it's so like that, that becomes what I think about. And that's exactly what I need to think about. So, you know, really helpful. If you have ADHD, uh, definitely look into like gamifying applications. They're fantastic. I think in general too, I've read that positive reinforcement is one of the best motivators and like some of the best encouragement that you can have in getting something done. Like I know, um, even just like within our home life, if you receive positive feedback from me on something that you did, then you're more likely to repeat that action. Even if it's something that you don't really like to do or that you usually forget to do. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. I like positive reinforcement is like, I, f- I feel like you get so much negative reinforcement and, you know, I'm sure some 
some people haven't had this same experience that I have, but I got a lot of negative reinforcement as mm-hmm. a kid. Um, there, you know, I got some positive as well. Like, I, you know, there were definitely people who were, who were there for me in really important ways, but I got a lot of negative reinforcement, like just constant, like criticism of me or what I'm doing or my, my work or whatever. Right. And I would just use that. I mean, I'm like, well, I don't want to be in that situation again. So I would just avoid it at all costs, right? Rather than actually improving that situation, I was just trying my best to avoid, you know, the action and the person who was giving me those, those kind of negative, um, negative like associations. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, uh, it positive reinforcement is, is really important. Just positive energy in general, like anything that is able to like make you feel like something is a little easier today you know or something is a little um like if you can recognize when something is is made easier or when something is made better or when somebody has shown appreciation for something that you've done like just making note of those little things is really helpful uh in terms of like developing good habits and just you know like remembering to empty the dishwasher you know like that's one I always was terrible at doing and you know all of a sudden you started using positive reinforcement and now I'm not perfect at it but I definitely like remember to do it every you know every few days and I'm like that is wild I would have never remembered to do that thing right and it's just like and it's not my nature to remember to do that thing like I you know I'm usually pretty oblivious to stuff that needs being needs to be done in the house so I have to have somebody draw my attention to it. And so, you know, like actually recognizing something like that for myself is a huge step. And that was just due to positive reinforcement. What would you say is the, I mean, and I don't know, maybe it's positive reinforcement, but what would you say is the best way for people to support you or just the best support that you have received in living your life with ADHD and the struggles that come along with it. Just being patient is probably the biggest one. Other than that, I don't know. Cause it's like, <laughs> it feels like the thing that works today isn't going to work tomorrow for me. Like my brain switches avenues very quickly. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, maybe one day I'll set up a schedule with alarms and everything and it'll work wonderfully. And then the next day, all of a sudden it doesn't work at all. And like, I haven't followed anything and I will never follow any of it ever again (laughs) for some reason. And it's just like, and it'll happen out of nowhere and it's very confusing to me. And so it always feels like I have to keep coming up with new strategies, but patience is just the biggest thing because like having somebody that's willing to work with you on it and take actually take the time like not try and rush you into some other solution but to actually take the time to you know help me figure out solutions is huge like just game changing you know because if because like i'm not i'm at the point in my life where i'm not really motivated to do it myself but if somebody else takes an interest in me and takes an interest in, you know, helping me to be a better person and then offers, you know, 
like patience and understanding throughout the process, like that is a recipe to help me succeed in ways that, you know, and like, I think that's kind of the main issue, right? Is patience. Like most of the, most of my negative experiences in regards to ADHD have been due to people not having any patience for me or even just tolerance for me period, because they knew someone else that had ADHD. So they started treating me different from the start. Like, you know, like having patience for people with ADHD is going to allow you to be a better support and also will make your life easier if you are patient with somebody with ADHD because they'll come around. If if you treat somebody with ADHD right, they will come around and start making improvements, you know, but it takes time, more time than most people. And a lot of, and most of the bad experiences that people have with ADHD kids is because they aren't able to deliver things or do things as quickly as the other people, as the other kids. And that's, you know, it's just like, it's not going to get any better. And so criticizing them for it is going to do no good. Yeah. Just hurt their self-esteem. Yeah. You're literally just hurting their self-esteem and, and that's only going to make things worse. It's going to make them slower and they're going to not want to do it at all like whatever it is. And so, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt and giving them the time that they need to accomplish whatever it is that they need to accomplish, whatever assignment, whatever, is like if they have the time and the support to do it, then like they'll they'll do a great job. It's just yeah, it just takes takes more time. Sometimes it's just harder to put the first couple words on paper in an essay you know and mm-hmm. but like once you kind of get that that's where the flow comes in and then all of a sudden next thing you know you're like 10 pages into your essay so it just you know like a lot of ADHD people end up like stumbling at the starting line and then they're not given a chance to catch up but they're the fastest sprinter on the team you know and yeah it's just, they're just given a chance yeah exactly if they're given a chance like they could absolutely win you know win the race but um, a lot of them are being disqualified at the starting line, which is frustrating. <laughs> yeah. Definitely frustrating. So, What else would you say is something that you wish more people understood about ADHD? Hmm. Well, that we're not lazy. Yeah. Yeah. We're not lazy. We're not stupid. We're not, like, we, we don't have ill intent when when like we're not ignoring or procrastinating as often as you think we are a lot of times we're just frozen like feeling like we're overwhelmed or too stressed to do something but the moment we do it we're going to do it really well and <laughs> it's going to be it's going to be just like a plus plus work right so yeah just like most uh, most people's perception of those with ADHD are not right right now you know don't don't hold them to the same standard as different people right it's like comparing do, does no good you just hold like hold them to their their own standard the way that they perform is going to be completely different because their brain is different the way that they think about things is different the way that they approach things is different you give them a math test and I don't know, some ADHD kids will do great, but others won't. And then you throw those same kids into some wilderness survival test and all of a sudden, like, a different kid is excelling. Mm-hmm. And it's just, 
you know, like the way, just the way that some people approach things is different. Like you brought up creators, like a lot of creators are coming out as having ADHD, you know, like they're getting diagnosed later in adulthood. Mm -hmm. There's a reason a lot of these people pursued this particular profession. (laughs) And it's because they were passionate about one particular thing and they went after it and they do it better than anyone. Right. So if you can foster that sort of thing, like if you know somebody with ADHD who has a passion, encourage them in that passion, they can probably do an incredible job and actually probably start making money doing it. Yeah. But I know one of the biggest obstacles in pursuing something that you're good at or something that you enjoy is the imposter syndrome that so many of you struggle with. Yeah. So imposter syndrome is just like, it's a big struggle for sure, but just you're not an imposter unless you are. If you're actually like stealing stuff, (laughs) then like, don't do that. You know, uh, (laughs) but like, you're not, you're not an imposter. Like if you don't have the skills that you need to accomplish a particular goal, I mean, that's not, that's not you being an imposter. That's just you lacking the required knowledge to do one particular thing but you're never going to know how to do everything in any one profession i am in a very specific profession in game development as a tech artist and that means that i'm the only person at my company that does my job Mm -hmm. and i come across situations all the time where i don't know anything about how to solve a particular problem that is technically my problem to solve but i go and i solve it you know but you, like I realized that it, it would be impossible for me to know everything. Like, yeah. I know a ton. But, the, but there is, like, just thousands of pages of knowledge, you know, still to learn and memorize. And, like, that's just life. You're never going to know how to do everything perfectly, you know. And if you do, good for you. <laughs> But I I certainly don't. And it's just like realizing like, no, this isn't me being inadequate. This is me just being a person who doesn't know everything. And like really what makes or breaks those moments is just what you do at that point. It Like are you going to just like get down on yourself and give up? Or are you going to go and learn this new skill or this new like detail or new thing? So I know that that is something that you experience a lot is the imposter syndrome. And when you're in a clear headspace, like right now, you can think rationally about your worthiness and, you know, how adequate you are for whatever you're doing, you know, or, or the fact that you can learn what you need to learn. But I know when you're in the moment, it's really hard to overcome those feelings. Like, how do you work to overcome the imposter syndrome feelings and feelings of doubt and lack of self-worth and wanting to give up? Well, so talking to somebody who knows what you are trying to do, like if I, so like I said before, I'm a tech artist in the game industry. I talked to another tech artist and they assured me that what I was doing was fine. Like, that was really important to me. Just finding somebody who can meet you where you are and assess assess where you are. 
like you know obviously if i'm in having a really rough day and feeling like an imposter like that makes you you know it's really hard to get over that myself like even if i start trying to tell myself like no everything's fine like sometimes it's hard to get over that feeling but having somebody who knows what you should be doing and knows what you do tell you that you aren't that, i mean that that carries weight and that you know that can definitely help make that experience better one thing that i did when i didn't have anybody like that around was just went to google <laughs> You know, just went to Google and it's just like, like I typed my job into Google and just looked through like a recruiter's list of like what they want out of a tech artist. And I read through that list and I was qualified on every single one of those things and more. And so knowing that it's just like, okay, so what I'm doing right now, like even though I don't know how to do it, that doesn't mean that I'm not qualified to do it. That just means that I have to go find out how to do it, you know, unless you're in the medical profession. If you don't know how to do something, please don't like (laughs) just Google the procedure, (laughs) Google the procedure. But like, I mean, if you are in the medical profession, right. And you are feeling that imposter syndrome, you know, Googling what you do and then realizing that, wow, I actually do have a lot of the qualifications that are listed here right that i mean that validates you as a person like you or validates you as a person at least in regards to like those particular skills or profession you you know you you are able to validate what you actually know and you're like an actual an imposter wouldn't be able to do these things like they don't know how to do these things you're like and it's just like i've put in the work i've learned how to do a lot of these things and therefore am not an imposter And it's just like, logically, you can, I mean, you're able to pull yourself out of it with logic (laughs) for the most part, but also having, having a peer of some sort that can like, you know, just peers that can kind of bring you back down to earth and help you understand that, no, you're not an imposter is also really helpful. Do you use the same strategies when you're in a, a different, less practical situation, say in like parenting? Nope but I should (laughs) like, you know, like when I'm parenting, I often just get down on myself a lot, you know, feeling like, uh, well, cause that, that's a real imposter situation for me because it just like, as a dad, I feel like you, the mom are just so much better at everything. And that's, that can be hard for me sometimes, you know? And it's just like, but on the other hand, you also get a lot of practice. Like I, I, you know, I spend a lot of time at work. Yeah. And and my full-time job is taking care of the kids. Yeah. So trying to remind myself at that, like of that helps, but yeah, I need to employ more strategies of looking to appear about your parenting. Yeah. Looking to appear about my parenting. Exactly. Just to understand. Yeah. Understand that I'm doing okay. Of course, if I'm not, you'll call me out because you're just that kind of person. (laughs) Yeah, but like in a good way. It just, you know, helps me kind of stay down to earth and understand kind of like where things actually are rather than me just getting all up in my own head. You know, I think some of it too is I spend a lot of time, a lot of my time studying about 
parenting, you know, looking at parenting books and columns and advice and blogs, whatever, you know, to try and evaluate how I want to parent. And that kind of energy, like, you don't have that kind of energy or time in regards to parenting. No, because I have to figure out how to solve random video game problems. <laughs> yeah. Which... And technology-related problems. Yeah. You know, long-term, long-term, your job is far more important, but, you know. Point is, is I don't get that, I don't get that kind of dedicated time, so I will improve over time, of course, maybe just a little slower, so I'm not too worried about it. How do you hope to help our kids if and or when they are diagnosed with ADHD? I have a lot of suspicions about my daughter. <laughs> yeah, she's... we've had suspicions for a very long time yeah. since the womb. <laughs> she's almost she's almost just like me, but I I think in a way that makes you guys butt heads a lot. Yeah, it does. We butt heads a lot, and she she make like triggers me because you know I see a lot of the things that she struggles with, and it makes me feel inadequate as well. <laughs> You know, like kind of like me and my daughter are in the exact same place. And I'm like, I should be ahead because I'm an adult, but I'm not. And that's hard. But like, how I'll help, you know, her or any any of my kids, you know, assuming one is diagnosed with ADHD is just to like, be understanding, you know, help help her to forgive herself and realize like mistakes are okay. Like sometimes she will make a mistake or have an accident and she will be like, it's okay to make mistakes. And she'll say that to herself and then she'll pick herself back up and she'll get right back to it and not have herself put down. And I'm like, I I need to foster that attitude with everything that I have. I have to help her to make sure that that never goes away because she will find her critics you know, she'll find the people that do try to bring her down because that's what happens to most ADHD people is they meet someone who tears them down because of who they are. And that is super messed up. And I wish people like that would realize that what they're doing is doing nothing but harm. But I mean, fact of the matter is probably everybody with ADHD will eventually find those people. And if you can tell yourself I make like making mistakes is okay. You know, like certain mistakes, like there's, you know, there's some things you should never do, you know, like safety and otherwise, but like overall making mistakes is fine. Failure is okay. And like failure is actually the most important part of success. And so like helping, helping like an ADHD to kid to realize that that failure is not, really going to matter at the end of the day and that it's actually going to lead them to better things is is huge right so don't discourage a kid like don't discourage like anybody who's failing like don't criticize their failures and their mistakes and all of that and just be like all right what did we learn from this experience then we'll move on and you know move on to the next thing and make more mistakes and then you you learn from all of that And so it's just like, you know, I don't think I had the support that I needed all the time to realize that my failures were okay and that my mistakes were okay. 
that I was able to that I, I'm, I was allowed to learn from those and be better instead of just beating myself up for making mistakes and so that's the one thing I want my kids and really just anyone with ADHD to have is just that ability to pick themselves up and not sweat the failures just learn from them like they're such valuable learning experiences and I, I learned that way too late and so it was like now I now I struggle with little I think a little bit of trauma but <laughs> just <laughs> you know really trying to like reframe my internal monologue because it's my internal monologue isn't healthy you know and it's like it's not where it should be and I'm like I, I need to fix that but I also need to make sure that my kids don't ever develop that I think you're kind of in a unique position though you know recognizing that our daughter struggles with a lot of the same things that you do and even though you kind of see it as frustrating I'm sure that you guys are both still struggling with the same things despite her being so young and you know you going into your 30s but at the same time acknowledging those struggles and working through them and then in turn being able to help our daughter overcome them hopefully sooner I mean that that is such a that will be such a blessing in her life yeah yeah if she can learn like the process to if if she can learn like the process to fail correctly you know fail upwards just that'll that'll be amazing you know and so that's my biggest hope for for her and um yeah so anyway i'm hoping that having adhd equips me to pretty be a pretty good parent to an adhd kid and say say she never gets diagnosed and this was all just some crazy thing you know Mm -hmm. that's wonderful i hope she (laughs) like i wouldn't wish my struggles uh upon anyone although you know i will say there are some things that are wonderful about having adhd it's just you know it you just have to find those wonderful things despite society not wanting me around or not or not valuing your unique way of thinking you know and the 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 blessings of the differences yeah no it's true i when i meet like when i started surrounding myself with creative people like it became a little bit easier to be around because they did accept me for the way that I thought and the way that I felt, right? Anytime I've been around like a businessman or an executive type, they don't like that I think differently. They take it as an offense and they do everything that they can to crush any sort of out, you know, lateral thinking <laughs> that that exists, right? It's like I'm less I'm less likely to be a follower if I think differently. Yeah, there's not quite as much order. Exactly. It's a little bit more chaos. And so those people actually, they they, they definitely, you know, um, I wouldn't say pick fights, but they, they definitely have a bone to pick most of the time, which, you know, that's just not the way. And often just out of misunderstanding more than anything, like not like aggression or fresh or like, you know, like this was, I've met people who are like that, that just, they're not like bad people or like you know they're not trying to like take me out (laughs) but they're just like they don't understand and therefore 
and don't want to understand. And so it's like when they do eventually understand, it's wonderful. But, you know, you're going to find people there that just, that's just simply not going to happen. And you, hopefully you can just sweat it, like, you know, just kind of uh, brush it off and just move on and just realize, like, that's a them problem. You know, I don't have to change who I am for that random person. So I've really enjoyed talking to you about this, even though you and I talk about this subject pretty frequently. It's so different to have it almost like an interview yeah, like style. Yeah, like a formal setting. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I've heard you say things in, in a different way that maybe I've heard before, you know, when we've talked about it. And I think a lot of the time when we talk about it, it's when you're, like, really struggling with something. And yeah. so, like talking about it in a better headspace and a more positive environment, I think has been really nice. So do you have any tips for people with ADHD or maybe even for people with loved ones who have ADHD? Um, for people with loved ones who have ADHD, I'll start with that. Just kind of like I was saying earlier, just be patient and give them your love and let make sure that they know that they have your patience and your love. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that'll, that'll just go a long way. I mean, it'll, it, that is enough to change an ADHD person's demeanor and the way that they behave, uh, for somebody with ADHD, just follow your passions, like find, find something that you love to do. You know, you're going to have to come, you know, conform to society in some ways. And so make sure that you can counter all of that with something that you enjoy. For me, it's always been video games. Like I always play video games. They help me to process my emotions and my thoughts and they help me to, you know, often learn a lot. Like I learned how to read from Pokemon, you know, like sometimes where typical methods were not working for me, um, you know, I could always turn to video games. I'm not necessarily recommending video games, although I, I do recommend video games. They're great. <laughs> They're great. They're great mental stimulation. They help me to like kind of decompress. But um, but yeah, find, find the thing that makes sense for you. You know, I know a lot of people who paint, to read a lot, watch movies, you know, do, do a lot of like uh, other things um, that is completely separate from the rest of their life. And you need to have something like that, something that is just completely separate from everything else that because that will help you to kind of be happier and also allow you to kind of compartmentalize otherwise you know like if I if I can't leave work for the day and sit down with a game or sit down and just do something enjoyable with the family then I'm taking work with me because it doesn't it, it doesn't leave my head unless I replace it with something else because I like I may not carry it mentally, but I do carry it emotionally. So I have to replace those thoughts and emotions with something that brings me joy in order to finally settle down. So I think that's probably the most important thing. And then just keep a schedule. I hate schedules, but I keep one because they keep me honest. They make sure that I don't lose track of things. I personally use Google Calendar for all of my stuff and it, it keeps me organized. Um, in a way that I 
can't be organized by myself. Um, so those, there are great tools available nowadays for people with ADHD, you know, that aren't necessarily ADHD tools, but they were, they were built for people who just can't focus on anything. And, you know, and so I, I utilize most of those tools. Um, for me, it's Google calendar. If you have something else like, uh, like a whiteboard calendar, some other, you know, thing that like a scheduling book, whatever, whatever it is, like if you have a way to keep track of all of that, you know, you're going to hate doing it, or at least I completely hated doing it, <laughs> but it, it pays off in such a way that I just simply, I can't deny that it's doing, like it's done amazing things for me. So, uh, that's, those are probably the big two. Do something you love and keep a schedule. And then finally, I just wondered if you have any particular coping techniques or skills that you feel like are really beneficial to have learned and maybe that you use most often? Uh, you know, my recommendation isn't going to be one used most often because I'm still getting used to it, but like mindfulness. My brain is always full of like a thousand things at once. And I, I struggle to pick just one thing out of the thousand at any, at any given time. And yeah, I'm just always racing and I, you know, like if you have ADHD, you kind of know what I'm talking about. It's just like, you just can't stop thinking and it just is crazy. And there's just internal noise. Mindfulness helps. Mindfulness helps a ton. And just, you know, I struggle to do it on my own. So I use an app, you know, like I use apps like uh, Headspace or Calm or something like that. Right now I'm using Calm um, to just kind of take a couple minutes and like focus on one thing at a time like it it's the only thing that i do that i think quiets the noise and that that's really really helpful yeah if you if you can you can figure out how to do mindfulness i highly highly recommend it i'm still uncomfortable doing it but i can't you know it's another one of those things i can't deny that it helps like i hate scheduling i hate you know I, I like I don't hate mindfulness, but I'm not a big fan, you know. So apparently, all the things I don't like are the things that are good for me. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I I can attest that that's true. <laughs> well, thanks so much for joining me on my podcast today. I have really really enjoyed it, and yeah, it's I'm fun. I'm hoping that it's helpful um, to someone else out there. And it, I mean, if it's not helpful to anyone else, it's been definitely an enjoyable experience for me yeah well if it's not helpful to every anyone out there just let us know and we'll take it down and, <laughs> pro and we'll just keep it for ourselves <laughs> for posterity for posterity and you just won't have an episode this week um and finally i wanted to again uh mention the youtube channel how to how to adhd i i think i may have mentioned it in my own ADHD episode where I talked about what I learned, but it's just been such a great resource um, to kind of get a better better understanding because that's been really key for me um, in our relationship and our home life is just kind of understanding more of where you're coming from and ways to help and schedules to implement, you know, whatever it is. So I'll I'll write it down in the description. 
Thanks so much for listening, you guys.